What's up, Solana Cove enjoyers? Welcome to another episode of Solana Cove. I've got a ton of exciting content on the way in 2022, and I'm looking forward to expanding the Cove in some interesting new directions. So make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast app and stay tuned. Today, I have a conversation with Udav from the Friction team about building a DeFi portfolio manager on Solana. I hope you enjoy it. I'm here today with Udav from Friction. Uh, Friction is a new portfolio management project on Solana. Uh, it's very exciting. It's climbing up the ranks on DeFi Llama, and I'm very excited to hear all about what they're building and what they're looking forward to building going forward in the future. Welcome, Udav. Hey, thanks. Really glad to be here. If you could just tell me a bit about how you got into crypto and a little bit about your background. Yeah, for sure. So, so me and Alex, um, kind of co-founder of Friction with me, um, we met in 2017 um, and then in university. And then before that, in 2015, had some friends um, through the university as well who um, were really into kind of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then started developing kind of on the smart contract side. Uh, and then that's that's when I got to meet Ian from Sabre um, after he was, he'd built a bunch of projects since from then since now. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the first foray into it. Um, my, my personal interest was just kind of like reading white papers and kind of exploring a little bit more. And then um, since then, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole in, for a couple of years. And then after university, I ended up going into like kind of more trading and research-oriented roles um, and then stepped out of crypto for a bit and finally came back in full-time about a year ago um, and been kind of DeFi DGen since then. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the people I've been chatting with stepped in sort of, I guess, since DeFi summer was kind of a big jump off point for a lot of people. And then in Solana, I mean, for me, it was sort of around March, I think, that I dived in. And now if you look at DeFi Llama, there's so many projects compared to then. It's just been an explosion, I think, particularly with the hackathons, uh, which yeah. is really, really exciting to see. And also interesting that you know Ian from Sabre, because I feel as if he is somewhat, somehow connected or knowing like half the teams on, on Solana. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Ian was one of the first people to like introduce me to the whole crypto world in, in Austin when the scene was growing a lot in 2017. Um, a ton of projects. He was just hacking on stuff and started something back then. So it's cool to meet him through like a quant finance group at school. And then he ended up um, kind of going down the true rabbit hole. And then I went into TradFi and finally bounced back uh, right before DeFi summer. So. Ah, okay. So you knew him before you got into DeFi summer, before like this? this... Oh, yeah, since like 2017. Ah, okay, cool. Nice. Okay. And can you tell us a bit more about how friction came into being? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, I think the biggest thing was right before DeFi summer, um, me and Alex were just kind of talking about stuff and he, he got really into perps then. Um, and we were just thinking about like, what, what part of the risk management spectrum does DeFi have? And coming from like a, um, a traditional finance quant trading and research background, um, we saw a lot of the tools that we had on the trading floor or whether it's portfolio management or risk measurement, um, or exposure control, none of these things really existed in DeFi. Um, and there was a ton of room to build like sophisticated portfolio management tools so people can have portfolios that can perform across market cycles and aren't necessarily bound by um, token emissions, inflation, um, and kind of the quick like exit yield farms after one day because you've made a lot of money on the native token. Yeah, so I think that's that's what like gonna give birth the idea and then particularly the focus on structured products um, or what we call our vaults um, came around after we realized most of the sources of 
um, yield generation or kind of through like emissions, which if you kind of zoom in, so if you, um, Nansen, it's kind of analytics company, they did some research into Sushi's uh, MasterChef contract, which basically showed that within the first 24 hours, um, like half of the users in the yield farm had left. Uh, and from a normal user perspective, like this is this is your like customer acquisition, right? If, if you're a protocol and you're building, you want users to stay throughout, I mean, definitely more than a day. And same research is saying like within three days, like 75% of the users are gone. Um, and for a protocol that's trying to scale over a long period of time, it's just kind of unsustainable. Um, so our, our view was we're going to find sources of yield um, that are directly related to the risk properties of an asset, um, which is kind of why we started with options, slightly familiar with the space as well from kind of backgrounds of trading. And then, yeah, just um, found ways to, to try to find uh, risk premium for users and um, try to really build out like what, we, what we're going to call like the DeFi's efficient frontier. Um, so. so maybe first we can unpack a bit more about what friction is and the vaults, what you were referring to. And after that, I'd love to hear about contrasting your experience in traditional finance versus how it's been building in on Solana. Um, but yeah, first, let's dive into the vaults. Yeah, for sure. So so vaults, um, it's a play on vaults. Uh, it's a play on vaults. Vaults are a play on vaults. Um, and vaults are the building blocks of friction. So essentially, um, each one of friction strategies um, quantitatively focused um, to generate returns in some market condition uh, can make a vault. So vaults basically let anyone invest and trade products um, across a set of themes. So the first two vaults are focused on principal protection and um, kind of options overriding. So you can be fully collateralized and sell a call option against underlying assets you own, collecting the premium um, and essentially making an implied view that spot doesn't rally through the strike price which you're selling the call at. And then the inverse can be true for the puts. Um, and in the case of the puts, if the puts do get exercised, and I have these built-in features where users can own the underlying asset um, at the strike price in which they sold it, which oftentimes is kind of between um, 20 and 30% um, below the current spot price. Um, and these, these terms that are set are kind of chosen by our strategies. Um, and we're focused on kind of the, the delta range from 10 to 20. Um, and that's how we designed the first two volts. Uh, and then can jump more into how we like do the pricing and kind of some more of the um, parts behind it. Yeah. Just for our users who might not be super savvy when it comes to financial terms, um, can we maybe go through an example uh, with, say, with with Solana, like going up in price quite yeah. quickly, like what the risks would be for someone who's who's using one of the vaults? Yeah, for sure. And I'm basically going to be running through an example that we published. Um, we, we do a lot of kind of like content and education and information. So um, if there's anything unclear in what I say, anyone can just go to uh, frictionlabs.medium.com and uh, there's an entire post on how to cover calls work. Um, so, so kind of zooming out, like let's say souls at 200, deposit a soul, one soul into um, the first vault, which is covered call strategy um, at a strike of two, uh, 220 expiring in a week. You collect, let's say a $10 premium. Um, so that's the premium I was talking about earlier. And there's kind of three scenarios. First scenario is like soul doesn't change at all still at 200, um, you end up capturing that 5%, which is just 10 divided by 200, uh, and you're earning it in terms of soul. So the way we view our strategies is users are looking to gain more soul exposure. And in this case, they've earned 5% in soul terms. Second solution, second option is, is the price of soul falls. Let's say it falls 150 bucks at expiry, um, meaning as the price of soul has, has fallen, you've still collected this option premium. Um, meaning in terms of soul, uh, you still have earned kind of 7% and um, you've earned that 7% as the price of soul has fallen. Um, so you can kind of think about it as 10 divided by 150, the new price of soul. 
is 0.07 sol. Um, and then the third scenario that you mentioned is um, if sol rips through the strike at expiry, let's say it goes to 235. So now your option can get called, um, meaning you deliver one sol for the strike price, 220, which is now equivalent to 0.94 sol. So just uh, um, 220 divided by 235. And you've still collected the 0.05 sol from selling the option or $10 at the time. Um, so now your PL is minus 0.02 sol, meaning um, although you've lost money in sol terms, your um, net USDC value has gone up since you're still measuring your PL in, in sol. And if this was if this is a little bit confusing, definitely recommend um, checking out the article. And we're always in the Discord um, kind of chatting about this stuff. So and the person who's on the or the in the yeah, I guess the person who's on the other side of this uh, this trade or this exchange, um, they are hoping that the that Solana, for example, like goes through and then they collect the difference between what what the strike price was and the the price when when the uh, option expires. Yep. So depending on the style of options, so American options and um, European options are different in that American options can be exercised at any point up to the expiry versus Europeans can only be exercised during a specific window during the expiry. Um, the the buyer and the owner of the option has the right to uh, to do that. Um, so yeah, the the third scenario is the profitable scenario for the person who's buying the call in this case. Um, and we have a pretty like detailed documentation into how does the other side of this vault work. Um, so we use channel RFQ, which is um, a request for quote auction based system. It's a blind Dutch auction um, powered by a serum, um, which allows market makers to concentrate just in time liquidity, uh, which is something that's used a ton through TradFi. Um, whether you think about like the, the closing auction for NICE, NASDAQ, um, the Platts window for commodities or the U.S. Treasuries auction window, basically it brings together a bunch of market participants to trade some assets that are relatively illiquid during other times and helps create a competitive price environment in which you can see multiple bids for these options. And these market makers are now competing against each other to deliver Frictions users the best prices. Really cool. So traditionally, I've often read that options um, have struggled to take hold in in crypto in the, like the crypto world, for sure. But I'm noticing in the last few months, uh, even even on, on Ethereum as well as Solana, there's been a really big push, and it seems like these latest projects such as Friction are making it really really straightforward for people who maybe don't even have the best understanding of everything that's happening underneath, but they can understand like they're accustomed to the Vault experience with you know, with Wyern and similar products. And, and so then this is making it super attractive. The, the returns I think are still super attractive, even in the, like the high return environment of, of cryptos. Um, is that something that you, you guys have observed like when you've been testing with users? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things you mentioned there. I mean, the first one I want to highlight is just like the the rise of options in DeFi. I'm really bullish the fact that like users will start to get connected to different sources of leverage through not just um, like spot perp margining. I think options are an interesting form of leverage because they're the liquidation is essentially the price of the option, right? Um, and it is challenging for people to retail to start trading options on DeFi. I mean, there's just natural constraints on the Ethereum L1 and then some of the scaling solutions there have been really cool projects that are built on top of. Um, but what one thing we've seen that's brought a ton of attention into option space is is protocols that um, don't just abstract away the risk, but also explain it really well to the user. And I think that's one big thing behind friction is like, we don't want our users to be under-informed, right? We want to give as much information as possible while having the, the cleanest UX so that you can understand the strategy to as much sophistication as you want, right? And like, if, if, you, if you've never traded an option before and 
you're trying to understand like how does strike setting, expiry selection, um, implied volatility calculation, premium calculation, and how does this all roll up into an APY? That's kind of what we want to be able to give to the user, right? And this is all part of like this this full stack portfolio management experience because at the end of the day, options are just one source of, of returns. Um, and options are particularly exciting because their biggest pricing element is implied volatility. Um, and that's something that we haven't seen take off in crypto. And we're really excited to kind of be on on the frontier of that and bring that into, into Solana DeFi um, here pretty shortly. Yeah, nice. Comparing the vaults to the traditional farming uh, experience or the traditional farming um, yield source, the the vaults seem much more durable long term. Um, and I think even in the past few days, it's been a little bit topsy turvy. And if you've if you've had your assets in in friction, you've probably been quite. It's been pretty relaxing, <laughs> comparatively. So, could you maybe just go into a little bit more detail, comparing where the APY is coming from, and like for example, how it is being auto compounded? For sure, yeah. This this is a great question. So, I mean, when we think about APY, I mean, APY at the end of the day is is for us as option sellers in the first two vaults, you're taking the option premium. Um, you're dividing it by the price of a coin minus the premium, and then you're annualizing that number, right? So the important thing here is that the, the driving variable in our APY is, is option premium, right? And as I was mentioning earlier, the largest driver of option price is implied volatility. Uh, implied volatility essentially measures the propensity for, for something to change in price um, in the future, right? And when we see spot fall 10, 20, 30%, um, we do naturally see implied volatility tick up which causes option prices to increase, which is one of the reasons um, why um, frictions products can actually outperform when the market is in a burp period like it is right now, right? And if people don't have directional views, um, they can come in and they can allocate stable coins into the put vault, uh, into vault two sustainable stables. And if they do want um, to kind of bet against um, like soul rallying above $200, they come into the, the first vault. So to recap, kind of implied volatility is the driver of um, the first two volts yields. Um, and I think, as I mentioned earlier, um, we're really focused on kind of ROI, like return on investment being the driver of long-term DeFi adoption rather than APY. So a focus for us is, is make sure user can make money across these market cycles and building products that are resilient to that. Yeah, that's, I think that'll be music to a lot of people's ears. We have right now, you've got two different volts. Um, but you, when you were introducing friction originally, you mentioned that it's you really have a bigger picture view. Can you speak a bit about what you guys are planning in the future to expand the portfolio, so to say? Yep, yep. So really, the goal is in the next couple of weeks and months is to to build out volts three and four, um, which essentially take advantage of um, mispricings and volatility across the curve. Um, when I say the curve, I mean like the the forward implied volatility curve, or what maybe we'd call term structure. Um, so we have, we're planning on building a vault around this, and then uh, we're building a, a vault particularly around impermanent loss. So for people who are familiar with traditional farming and um, constant product AMMs, you deposit SOL and USDC of equal amounts, um, and you receive fees for providing liquid into that pool, um, trading fees, swap fees, and then you also earn, depending on the emission schedule of that protocol, the native token. Um, and there's a couple of streams of income, but if the price of SOL um, versus USDC moves in either direction. Um, there's a curve. Um, it's, it's a very interesting curve to study um, by which your um, your assets kind of get redistributed based off of the design of the constant product formula. Um, 
And you can wear this thing called impairment loss. Um, a better way to think about it in my mind is like opportunity cost adverse selection. Um, and we're building a vault around the idea that if you if you build a if you build a, a kind of a perpetual volatility product, you can hedge this impermanent loss. Um, and by hedging this impermanent loss, what your normal experience for a DeFi user would be is, let's say you're coming into Orca and you want to farm Sol USDC or Orca USDC. Um, when you deposit your two assets and you get this LP token, you come to friction, or you can do it natively just through a button on Orca that says, calculate how much impermanent loss hedge I would need to purchase from friction um, on top of the yield I'm receiving give me an IL adjusted APY and now let me deposit into this farm. So you don't have to come back and rebalance your farm, let's say when um, sold three X's or sold falls 50%. Um, you kind of have the benefit of, of this impermanent loss hedge that, that frictions volts provide. And would the APY of that pool that you're in, um, would you be kind of getting the returns from that minus some sort of sort of fee for, for, for enjoying the, the hedging protection? Yep. So it, it, it just the same way you would think about, like, if you, if you buy a volatility based hedge for a traditional product, um, there's some cost to be purchasing this. Um, and that cost can be calculated, um, based on kind of market price. Right. And one of our, one of the things that we've really been really big on is just like bringing liquidity into these things from both sides, not just demand, right. There's going to be a ton of demand for this because naturally like people don't like to lose money. Right. Mm -hmm. But the question is, how much supply will there be? Because that's what's going to determine the price of this this hedge, right? And, and our job and the channel team's job is to to really like find sources of supply. Um, so like the top derivatives market makers in crypto, bringing in TradFi firms who are really getting into this and eventually making this permissionless so anyone can participate um, within the safety of the system. So totally. yeah, that's super interesting. That's like a whole new a whole new marketplace um, of, tra of trading on uh, and expressing your opinion about like future impermanent loss, I guess, is the, yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So focusing a bit on friction itself um, going forward in the future, rather than features more on the topic of decentralization, how does the team think about decentralization? I, the, the, a typical question people ask is when token, um, I know you guys have some pretty interesting ideas around task forces. Um, I saw in the documentation, which looks really curious. So maybe you could share the team's ideas on on those topics. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with task forces because they've been a huge driver of like frictions, um, education, content, and just like research. So right now, friction has three task forces. Um, they're completely community led. Um, there's an education task force that are is called frictions research collaborators. Um, they're a group of people across. Um, there are a bunch of DeFi DGENs, there's there's quantitative traders in there, there's researchers in there, there's it's a ton of people. I mean, we concentrate to a set of people that are really interested in, in growing the protocol, and they're responsible for writing um, Frictions Weekly Zaps and kind of ad hoc research pieces. So we do Zaps every weekend. Um, for those who aren't don't familiar with Zaps, definitely check it out on the Medium. Um, but they're weekly market insights that cover um, various asset classes with a focus on crypto, of course. Um, so people can understand kind of what's driving not just the yields behind friction, but also just generally risk in, in the industry. Um, and then we just recently published a piece on like institutional options trading and how do um, how do firms, how do trading firms look at option price and how do they break down the components of it like we were talking about today. Um, we have another task force that's focused on um, research and analytics. So it's really on vault design and optimization. Um, so where can we provide marginal improvements, whether it's like a change in the strike selection um, or it's back testing the impermanent loss hedge, or it's looking at um, how, how mispriced volatility can be for some altcoins, because friction does does list a couple of really interesting 
um, altcoins, which uh, for context, like we, we the Serum, FTT, um, Luna, Mango options, the first time they traded on Solana was was through Friction's second epoch, um, which is really exciting because it's all done natively. The, the on-chain auction is, is Serum powered. Um, and yeah, just really exciting to have some of these things on here. Um, and then in terms of decentralization, uh, the goal is for us to really like give ownership of the network to, to participants and contributors. Like Task Force is a great model, about 25 people who are um, putting a lot of time and effort into like growing the protocol through there and um, looking to have a, a structured grants and in bug bounty program come up really soon um, to have some exciting news on that coming out later this week. So. And I've seen on Twitter, there was something about um, an NFT, like a lightning thief, or could you maybe elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, yeah. so our, our OG users, um, also known as lightning thieves, um, are um, are all eligible to, um, to get this really cool NFT that we spent some time designing. Um, yeah, it just represents kind of like Zeus um, holding onto the Friction logo, which um, is kind of symbolic of a lightning bolt. Uh, and hopefully one day we can make a uh, kind of like a redeemable version of it, like a toy. Um, but yeah, we have some cool ideas around utility of the NFT and then the NFT combined with token and what that gives you access to specific vaults. Um, and then of course, a lot of like all, all of the, um, all the, the value accretion within the protocol, whether it's like cash flow from, um, revenue streams, like fees, all of that is, is, is aiming to be funneled into the token holders. Um, so at the end of the day, um, all of this is, is part of the theme of friction that, that to incentivize the, um, the creators, the inductors, as we call them. Um, we, we want to have a system where the inductors can be incentivized and the users can be incentivized. So we really think um, a token-based governance system is really important. Yeah, for sure. So really incentivizing, yeah, not only users, but also that really hardcore community of actual like contributors, right? That actually delivering value to the community. Nice. Yeah. One of the really big things that we haven't touched on yet is like Friction's focus on DAOs, um, I think we're, we're going to launch um, a program called Circuits very soon. Um, so a bit of an alpha leak, but Circuits is a, a, a structured treasury-based um, protocol uh, portfolio management system. Um, essentially, it offers services from inductors. Uh, inductors are kind of like the core contributors, so the designers and architects behind Volts to build custom curated portfolios for, for DAO treasuries based off of their target risk reward. Um, and this is something that in, in TradFi, generally has a very like high cost of capital requirement to participate in a system like this. Um, but by making this quite transparent and, and bringing in kind of some leading DAOs and protocols in Solana, we think uh, this will really be the chance where Solana can shine. Um, a lot of inspiration from Tokamak and their liquidity directors um, and how, how they kind of uh, allocate resources between reactors. So if you notice like reactors and volts, um, core and circuits, it's a, uh, it's kind of a, a cool little play there, but. Mm -hmm. I think I saw on Twitter Invictus maybe was doing some some treasury management through friction. Yeah, Invictus is one of our earliest partners. Twenty percent of their um, MSOL is delegated to uh, inside the MSOL vault in friction, and um, it, it started all this started quite informally. And now, as we formalize circuits, um, we're going to have like epochs in which specific treasuries can come in and um, really like think about like if you hold spot perps futures across six assets, like what's the correlation of your portfolio? How do you manage? Uh, what's the normal risk you wear if so goes up a dollar? Do you have inherent like application specific risk if you're a lending and borrowing protocol that you can hedge somehow? How can we kind of help you build that? I think um, services is is something that like DeFi hasn't really cracked yet. Um, and for us, it's really important to like take a stab at it and um, try to do a really good job and like provide this across, across whether you're an NFT DAO or a, um, a data pipeline or just normal kind of DeFi protocol. 
want to be there to be able to support um, meaningful streams of revenue so these protocols can survive multiple bear markets. That's so true. Actually, I never thought about that, that services is uh, an area of DeFi, which is something that you really don't see much of at all. Um, can you walk through a bit? How does that process look when, uh, say, a new team is coming and they want they have their treasury and they want to they want to work with friction? How does that yep. process look? Is it kind of a bespoke pro uh, process? For sure. In the beginning. Um, so um, we're launching circuits through the first circuit will be called Genesis circuit. Um, it'll be accepting between like five and 10 um, DAOs on Solana or, or protocols on Solana, um, depending on what stage you are. Um, the first thing we do is we just like look at the risk profile of, of what your treasury is or what you're trying to build it out to be and understand like what, what are your expected rewards? What are your expected returns from this? And then start to work specifically with the team and people who on the protocol side manage this. And it, it's kind of crazy because DeFi, like there's no CFO, controller, treasurer roles. It's kind of like boomer things, right? So in a way, like you're able to outsource some of these services and work with people who are um, kind of specialized in understanding what you're looking for. Um, so DAO comes to us, we talk about the treasury, um, we, we start looking to see how it performed over the last N, N periods in which it's existed. And then, yeah, we, we measure a bunch of things. So um, we, we look at what you're trying to optimize for. You're trying to optimize for, um, for example, sharp ratio, which is just kind of risk over reward. Um, and are you trying to opt or reward over risk? You're trying to optimize for a minimum drawdown are you trying to minimize volatility um, or are you just trying to sit on stables and generate some yield from that and then based on that we can kind of curate a, a vault or a set of vaults to fit that that profile okay so so do you actually make new vaults for specific partners ah okay i was assuming it would be some kind of like index of the existing vaults that the that their assets would be distributed through so there, there's actually new Oh, very cool. So circuits, you can think about circuits as like custom allocations amongst the vaults. So there may be like four normal vaults that people access, but for DAOs that participate in circuits, they get access to custom vaults that are built for them. And we source the liquidity on the back end too, to make sure we're getting the best price for their assets, right? Because at the end of the day, like Friction's job is, is at one level is to be a best price engine. You know, like we have to look across all the places that we can find pricing on Solana, um, both like on-chain order books, on-chain market makers, off-chain order books and market makers and, and get that to the user, right? And it's, it's kind of like our job to, to be optimizing for that. You were mentioning Tokimac and I know there's some other um, sort of options, products on Ethereum, Ribbon comes to mind. How has the experience been building friction on Solana and where do you think building on Solana offers advantages over uh, other chains? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, pretty well known, like kind of the finality um, of Solana, faster finality of Solana. Um, we so Alex is a, a lot of the team is is really strong, like low level programmers, um, and it's it's been kind of a natural fit. I mean, everyone's also worked on different um, L1s before, so the team has a ton of experience on Ethereum as well. Um, I think for us, it was just like um, the power of Serum is is a huge thing that that Solana has, and it's it's almost like underappreciated still because um, having like a simple order book design and all of us come from TradFi backgrounds and trading as well, where um, there are just no AMMs in TradFi, right? And there's not even perps yet. So um, a lot of things that Solana has brought is, yeah, I think Serum is a huge one. Uh, and then generally like the community tends to be a bit more focused on like longevity. Um, so there's not a ton of like crazy um, kind of yield farm opportunities that always pop up. Like back in DeFi summer, there's just constantly things popping up and they're mostly kind of Ethereum focused. And then there's a bunch of like EVM fork chains and, Kind of chase around for yield versus Solana. I think a lot more people are building for um, like scale. 
uh, which is which is why I think it's a great place to be building right now. Yeah, for sure. If you go on somewhere like Tulip, the the maximum yield is so so small compared to like Binance Chain or something. But I kind of like it because it feels a bit more sustainable somehow. Um, those ridiculous like many thousand APY. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at like the percentage of smart contract hacks on BSC versus like Solana or like other um like really strong L ones, it's uh um it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. I was I was actually going through Rekt uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think almost all the hacks were either on Ethereum and Binance. There was a couple on Polygon, um, but it very much concentrated on on those chains. Yeah, I mean, needless to say, like risk is still like contract risk is still a huge thing, and and Solana auditing is is like is quite backlogged. <laughs> I mean, auditors are um, really busy and um, having having teams to work with on that, which is pretty grateful to like, there's a bunch of folks from Serum, there's the Ship Capital team, um, and then kind of a lot of protocol advisors who've been great in just, like helping code review and we're about to enter like the formal audit stage um, with, um, with a couple of firms. So really looking forward to getting through that so we can kind of open source the code base and um, yeah, just, just let everyone try to compose on top of friction. It, to me, it's, it's kind of astounding how much you guys have done in such a short period so you've got heaps of documentation and introductory material like a really nice product you've got big plans you're planning to open source like how big is the team that you're able to deliver all this yeah it's about um like four and a half of us now um i think yeah four and a half um but i mean yeah we, we like to write like i like to write i like to make sure things are like really clear um so so people don't get confused and like we really pride ourselves on like just being in the discord all the time like answering questions, um, dealing with issues as they pop up. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is just like, we're, we're really passionate about the product. Um, we, we understand it pretty deeply. Um, and there's, there's so much to be like brought to Solana and just brought to DeFi generally that, uh, yeah, just pretty exciting. Yeah, like you said, it's two and a half weeks, almost hundred million TVL, um, no, no token emissions. Um, so really feels like Solana is, is going to be a booming place for organic growth. Um, for friction, so really excited to to keep it keep it up. Yeah, last time I checked on DeFi Llama a bit earlier, I think you were around ninety million or so. Or mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, we're um, I think uh, we're like the third third largest options options based protocol. Um, and it'd be cool like as we expand across different verticals because I don't think portfolio management only involves options, right? Um, so should should be a should be really fun. I'm mean, excited to launch some more products. And and you will just be continuing to walk a bit of a tightrope because right now the the UX it feels like as you were saying a bit earlier you're trying to make everything as explicit as possible for the user that they understand the risk while at the same time offering like a really simple straightforward experience yeah so it seems like you're always going to be kind of walking a bit of a tightrope there yeah for sure I mean we're like big on these like tooltips on hover so if you ever hover over the APYs um this goes back to like my kind of deep rooted thing like. AP, like showing high APYs in the long term is not going to bring a billion users to DeFi. Like showing them why they should not leave that APY, like that that stream of in, stream of income generation, whatever you want to call it, is really important. So yeah, all of our tooltips are super interactive. Like just hover over the APY and you'll see a breakdown of like um, performance over the last two weeks. Um, we try to like look back over longer windows, so show you implied yields over the last n epochs that that we've had, um, as well as the most recent ones. Um, I think it's it's kind of misleading if you just show like one, one epochs worth of return um, versus like looking over a long period of time. Cause again, we're building strategies that um, can displace like the, um, the largest financial institutions, like 120 million, 120 trillion of AUM under like traditional asset managers. There's no reason all that shouldn't be like coming on chain as um, we're going to publish circuits soon. And it's going to talk a lot about this. So 
Do so. I guess I have two questions actually. So, firstly, how important do you think being not just mobile friendly, but actually on mobile apps is going to be to engage those new users? Firstly, yeah, I think um, in the beginning, um, I mean, I'm super. So, I've been like playing around with Phantom on my phone, and uh, it's pretty exciting. I think there's just like a whole whole set of users that will come through with that. But I don't think that's going to be the first set. I think. Um, I mean, it just, if it was me, like it would be tough to put like hundred thousand dollars into a phone on this app for the first time I ever like touched something. Um, so I think we have to really like grow the user through the mobile experience, and then the user can track their portfolio. Um, uh, sorry, grow the user through a web experience, and the user can track their portfolio through a mobile experience. Because um, I think generally, like maybe the real degens of the world are like yield farming from their phones. Um, I just don't even think we've seen that on other chains yet. Um, but yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, so you would be actually, say, depositing funds on your computer, but then checking up on how they're performing on your phone. That makes a lot of sense. And then the second question is, do you see most of the growth for, for example, friction coming from other protocols or from individual users and like new retail users getting into DeFi? Yeah, this is a really good question. And, and this is why we're launching circuits again. It's, it's, I think, in my opinion, a lot of it comes through, um, through DAOs. I think we're like, we're really, really bullish the idea that institutions of the future, like even some of the TradFi asset managers we've talked to are coming to chain, they're coming on chain, but like they're coming on chain as like syndicates. Um, so essentially like investment consortiums, right? Investment clubs. And they're, they're like delegating resources to people who they believe are like um, more aware of what's going on in the chain, right? And you've seen a bunch of projects like this on Ethereum, um, like Flamingo DAO, um, like Syndicate DAO, all these things are just like bringing people together and they're pooling capital together to, to make investment decisions um, all on chain. So I think there's a giant market there that um, really is a focus for us right now. Um, and a natural network effect of that is like these, these DAOs like have hundreds of people in them, right? So if you can connect to this institution, um, you naturally get their user, you, you get the attention of their user base and that, that grows its, itself, I think, if we do our job right. So. Yeah, nice. Uh, I can definitely see a huge amount of potential. And I think we've also seen that recently with the whole curve wars thing as well. A lot of, a lot of focus on actually other protocols rather than individual users. Yeah. And it's like so many communities like are going to grow in Solana. It's still, it's, it's absurd how early Solana still is in the sense of like being mature DAOs. Um, like there's, it's like Mango and now Saber, there's Jet. There's like, there's not too many, right? On Ethereum, like pretty easy to spin up a DAO, Prognosis, but like fortunately we're, get, we're getting like Tribeca and squads to build really good infrastructure. Um, so, so we can be doing the same things. Yeah. A lot of people have spoken about how governance tokens for DeFi protocols on Solana have tended to trend downwards. And one thing that I'm always struck by is there was actually almost no use case for the tokens up until very recently. Yep. There were governance tokens that you couldn't even vote with. So it kind of made sense to me that people would, of course, sell them. Um, but as as you mentioned, Tribeca has been spinning up recently, and I think Squads is around the corner. Um, and as we see that we can actually use these tokens for voting and that it actually has a purpose, I will be really interested to see yeah, how the trend looks going forward. Um, but I have noticed in the last month or two, there's been a lot like a new wave of DeFi on Solana. Um, yourself, uh, like Katana, Drift, like a lot of ex really polished, exciting projects. And... I think none of them have tokens so far. Do you, do you like? Yeah. Would you expect that new builders have learned something from the previous wave of DeFi in terms of tokenomics, or is it going to be more of the same? Yeah, I mean, I think this is like kind of more mature um, part of part of cycle thing. 
you also kind of saw this, I feel like, in Ethereum to like, I mean, DeFi Summer like kind of kicked off when when Compound launched their token or like Compound token got big, right? Like it was it was all exciting and suddenly like people were earning it and they were starting to lend and borrow more. Um, so I think I'm, I'm personally like a big believer that like the creation, the ability to use tokens to incentivize users and participants in your network is like one of the most powerful things that crypto has brought. Um, so for us, like thinking about the tokens really important and having like not just some like economic principles behind it, but also like utility um, is is something that um, it's really important to us. So um, yeah, I think this this new wave. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just products um, that that haven't like in in our minds or in their minds like have found true product market fit um, to launch that token. Um, and I think there's a ton of examples on Ethereum. Like you can you can wait a little bit longer, um, but at the end of the day, like I think it's it's pretty clear from users like when um, if your users are active and your community is active it's going to be obvious like the when token channel is going to be popping off for like the first time in two months because they've like deposited assets or they're they're using the protocol and now they want to get even more incentivized so yeah and i suppose if you're already having such adoption as as the friction team is having without any tokens there's really no rush i mean there's already it's plain to see there's already a lot of people who are keen to use a product without tokens and then any token down the track purely um hypothetically is just like a cherry on the top yeah i, mean, I think it's it, it's really important like i would i wouldn't necessarily agree to cherry on top i think it's like it's it's kind of foundational because now we have like we have users who are earning money right or let's say they're, they're earning returns um but like we don't have a giant network of um like protocols that can connect into friction really easily and we don't have like a token-based voting mechanism right for protocols to participate in friction and have these like customized services like circuits so i think a um, little bit of alpha leak, but like that will be the first um, primary use case of FRK or the token, right? It's just like having um, having the ability to, to vote on how to build vaults, how to customize strategies, how to set fees. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I think with airdrops, there's a prevailing idea amongst a lot of people that the token is kind of like this, um, this free money that you're kind of hoping for. But as someone who's behind a project, I, I imagine that you're really focused on like the token is actually how you're going to be aligning some incentives so that everything kind of runs in like a really smooth manner. Like if you if you look back at Wi-Fi, um, when like before Santiago proposed like fee increases, uh, basically how Wi-Fi worked was like you had strategists who are similar to like our inductors, right? And their job is to like optimize, right? And there essentially what's happening was like there's no incentive for the strategist to perform right and in, in like tradfi people call this like performance fees right it's like you get a performance fee only when you perform right so it's kind of this binary thing whether you get it or not but the degree to which you get it is based off of how hard you're like yeah just a, the unit of output um right so for us it's a similar way and we like talked a ton about this to think like at the end of the day like these fees are for inductors but they're mostly for users to say like hey like these people are spending a lot of time thinking about it. And I mean, our last epoch I think goes to show like we're the only options protocol, um, I think across DeFi that didn't have an option exercised, um, which, yeah, which essentially means like users in these protocols had lost, you know. Um, yeah, so it means that the, the inductors were doing their job very well. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's only two epochs, like we have um, hundreds more to go. So mm -hmm. thousands more to go. So um, we're uh, yeah hoping to keep it up. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is early days, but off to an incredible start. I think we're um, just hitting time. Maybe before we finish up, you just would like to share how people who are keen to get involved in friction can get started. Yeah, I think um, the Discord is a really fantastic place. We've, we've been lucky to have some awesome community managers 
and people just like step up from the community to join task forces. Um, again, task forces are totally voluntary. Um, people have just kind of stepped up to fill. So there's just three big ones, like I mentioned, um, it, uh, really like looking for quantitative DGENs or people who really like um, learning about new protocols and DAOs on Solana. So Friction currently is hiring for quant DGENs and um, data DAO relations, which is like too odd, but um, I think like really important roles for us, um, for us to scale across um, different DAOs as well as um, get deeper within Volt design. Um, so yeah, hop in the Discord, uh, shoot us a GM in the GM channel, and uh, um, we'll uh, we'll chat there. All right, Udav, it was a real pleasure to have you on. It's such an exciting project, and it's going to be such a pleasure to watch you guys building. Um, I'm Thanks, already a, a happy user of Friction, and I'm looking forward to discovering the new products coming out. Awesome. Thanks for having us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app right now. For extra points, follow us on Twitter at Solana Cove. A reminder, anything said on Solana Cove is not financial or tax advice. Solana Cove is strictly educational and is not investment advice. Keep in mind, you and you alone are responsible for your assets and always do your own research.